Good to see you here this morning. I woke up uh, between 12 and 1 this morning to the smell of barbecue and thought something was burning in our house, wandered around. Cindy had the wherewithal. We woke up the same exact time. Cindy had the wherewithal to Google it and found out it's a mulch fire in Ontario and it's contained to one property. No houses are in danger of being burned, but we get the smell of barbecue. So no, nothing's really cooking except mulch. So that's, that's actually very, very good news. This is the time of year when we renew membership at Church in the Valley. And I, I'd like to express appreciation to our members who really make uh, things happen here at Church in the Valley. Um, everybody that God has brought together, and I'm very grateful for the way that he is putting the church body together. Um, we pitch in and work as a team to fulfill our mission, the one that God's given us. Uh, we started in 1987 as a congregation, and God's been faithfully putting the church body together and bringing people around to help. Uh, the card, the membership renewal card is on the screen. It's also in your program. Uh, if you would, if you're ready to renew, if you're thinking you'll renew, then if you could take that card and go ahead and fill it out and renew today, that'd be great if you're ready. But sometime in the next three weeks, uh, we'd like you to either renew or let us know you'd like to talk to a staff person uh, about membership or a question that you have, anything that would, would be helpful for you. We'd love to talk with you about membership is for those who've decided to follow and have given themselves, it's memberships for those who've given themselves to follow Christ as Lord. And uh, those who will commit with us to allow the Bible to be our guide. We, we, we live by Scripture, and we try to do exactly what God's laid out before us. And so if uh, you're interested in being a part of the Church in the Valley team, then let us know on that card. There's a spot for you uh, to ask for more information uh, about church membership at Church in the Valley, and that that'd be that'd be great and helpful for us. Glad you're here today. As I said before, um, we're in the middle of a series that we've called "Convinced," and we're, we're looking at how some things our our belief system that resides in here has different depths. Some some things we believe in our head. Some things get down to our heart level where we are willing to pay a price for those things. Those are called convictions. When we believe something at the heart level, we're willing to suffer for it, then that, that is a conviction. That's something that we believe uh, to the core of our being. And the first week we looked at the positive impact of being convinced in the life of the person who gets convinced of the right things, the life of their family and friends around them, how it helps them, blesses them, and then the world at large as well. Last week, we looked at how God works to uh, help our beliefs travel from our head to our heart. How, how is it that God works in us to help us become convinced of the right things? And... We, we looked at how uh, to be convinced of the right things, you need the right content, which is Scripture, the Bible. And, 
And it takes personal investigation. You've got to get into it for yourself. You've got to come, like come on Sunday mornings and, and be listening for what God's saying to you, how he wants to speak to you. So it takes personal investigation, and then it takes courage. You have to take the step of faith related to whatever God's just shown you in his word. And as you step out in faith, you experience that he's come through and convictions begin to develop. This is the process. It, it happens over and over and over again in the lives of those who are digging into Scripture for themselves, setting out to follow God, and doing what he says. You, you get convinced over time of the right things. Today, I think, is going to be really helpful for you because one reason is I'm not doing most of the talking. <laughs> I'm doing about half of the talking, so maybe not most. I'm going to try to get to the point where other folks are sharing. We're going to have three members of Church of the Valley share uh, a testimony related to how they got convinced of certain things. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But as you notice, the word convinced, uh, it, it conveys certainty. I don't know if you've ever had, well, I don't know if recently you've had the feeling of being uncertain about something. I had a 30-second experience this week, I took my glasses, and my glasses are broke. The little line that holds the the lens in uh, is it. it I, I think potentially a grandchild grabbed them and twisted them, and then the line is now not where it should be. And anyway, I went, and the lady's sharing options for me. I can send my glasses in, which means I'm blind for a week. I could keep my glasses, I could get another set of glasses, and I had about 30 seconds of just, oh, those are tough choices, what do I do? <laughs> because being blind for a week is no fun, and um, it's really hard to do my work. And I, I walked away, as I got back to getting prepared for my message, that experience of being uncertain for 30 seconds was very unpleasant. I didn't like it. And when we experience uncertainty, we're facing decisions, we're trying to handle life, we're not quite sure what to do next, how it's going to go, it's, it's very easy to be all twisted up and not know what to do next and what to say. Getting convinced of the right things really helps you build your life on the right things. It gives a sense of direction. To what you're doing. The fact is, uncertainty takes the joy out of life. It really does. It just sucks it right out of life. And, and God doesn't want us to live like that. He, he wants us to get convinced, but he doesn't give us every piece of information we think we're going to need as we face the decisions that we face. We'll always need to live by faith. And we're not going to know the outcomes, but the thing is, when you step out on faith, God comes through every time. And he's shown us how this happens. In Scripture, you find that becoming a convinced person is a mark of spiritual maturity. There's a picture in one of the passages that says, the immature person is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. You're just all over the place. And... Spiritual maturity is laid out as somebody who's convinced. They're not shaken by the things that are going on around them. It's, it's being convinced of who God is, what he says is true, and knowing the essentials of our beliefs through experience. 
And over time, just letting God change your mind rather than, you know, expecting him to adapt to you. You, you let God's word change your mind and you live it out. Check out the image on your program. Or on, it's on the screen, too. You may be able to see it better on your program. But um, this guy looks like he's walking with purpose, doesn't he? He's got the North Star guiding him there. He's got a compass. He's, he's head, heading in a specific direction. He, being convinced is being certain of what is true and building your life around these truths. Being convinced of the right things gives direction to life. And it, it, it helps us to narrow down um, our decisions. One of the reasons I chose not to send my glasses in is the gal was going to have to fudge the date of my prescriptions up. up, up. So she's going to have to fudge and say, my prescription is not expired yet. So I said, no, that's all right. I'll just be able to see this next week instead of going blind for a while. It gives, you know, there's a lot of guidance as you get into scripture. There's a lot of guidance for these kinds of decisions. Some of them, not so much, but you're convinced of what really matters as you face the decisions that you're facing. So very important. The mature are following God, and they're convinced that his way is best. So we keep saying no to our own way or to other ways that present themselves. The Bible shows us how to experience this type of growth in Colossians 2, 6 through 9. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This church that Paul was writing to was under attack from false teachers. So he was showing them how you get convinced of the right things and become protected from the wrong kinds of teaching. The way you do it is first and foremost, you start with Christ and you keep going with the one you started with. You get rooted and built up in him and you're established in the faith. So that implies a strong connection to him. A strong connection. You get connected to Christ. You stay connected to him. Uh, as you learn from him, as you read the Bible, and as you pray. When the pressure builds, you turn to him. You stay rooted in him. God, give me, would you, please give me the wisdom for this situation. Would you show me what to do? Show me what to say. And as you become convinced and experience him coming through, you lean more and more on him. Look at this tree with these roots. I don't know if you can see the root system. I think you can. You can see them. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree, the more difficult it is to dig out <laughs> or to knock over. We're, we're to be rooted in Christ. When you sink your roots deep into the Word of God, you learn essential truths by experience. God is real. You find out He's real. He's in control. He's in charge. He is training me. And that's, that's reassuring. You know, that the, the trouble you're going through isn't going to go to waste, but God's going to use it uh, 
to train you and develop you. He can be trusted. You can trust God. He will take care of me. He can change me. He owns everything. I'm just a steward. Boy, that's freedom right there. Just to realize that he owns you. So as I said, today we get to hear from three members of the church in the valley. And uh, from their examples, my hope is that you see from different personalities, different temperaments, uh, people in different kinds of work, uh, you get to see how God works to build convictions in us through the experiences we go through. So my hope is that you're encouraged by them. I'm going to ask Jeff Frieden if he'd come up and share with us first. But my hope is that you're, you get encouraged uh, by them and see how God does this as they share. Jeff is a community group leader here at Church in the Valley, and I think he's going to tell you a little bit about what he does for work. As take over your stand here. Is that okay? Take over. Okay. You got it. I'm going to take a seat. <laughs> okay. Well, at least you'll be comfortable. Um, and as far as uncertainty goes, I want to clear something up with, uh, I work in Kid Zone, and I'm doing double duty today, so there's some parents that dropped off kids with me this morning, and now I'm up here. Don't worry. I called a sub. The sub is probably more qualified than I am, so they're in good hands. Um, and I'm going to be leaving shortly after. Um, about seven or eight years ago, speaking to that, that uncertainty, an uncertainty cropped up in my life. Um, and I'm going to share that experience with you and how I chose to sort of reorient my values around God's values and how he really came through. And I got to see some of those things Randy was mentioning before, how he is in control, he takes care of me, and he is real. Um, so about seven or eight years ago, um, two significant things were going on in my life. I was really investing here at Church in the Valley. I've been here for a couple of years. I think it was around the time that we actually moved into this location. And at the same time, I was starting my career as a teacher. Um, I teach high school English. And I was two years, or year two into that job. And I was really investing in my growth as an educator. I was also investing in my growth spiritually here. I was investing in the relationships at work. I was investing in the relationships here. And um, the thing was, is there's a, a geographic disparity. I, I was coming out here. I live in Ontario. So it was a little bit of a drive to come out here, but not bad. But my work was in the complete opposite direction. Uh, I drove about 45 minutes to work. Um, so if you drove from my work to here, it would take easily an hour, if not more. Um, so I drive 45 minutes, and that was if I left early. And then in the afternoon, if I left later, I could get home in 45 minutes. So it was easily an hour and a half on the road every day, and that meant that I got to work early, spent a lot of time there, investing in my career, and then driving home. And as I was getting invested here, I was in community group. Um, I was getting invested in, in ministry here. Um, it's, I started to really see the time crunch because I wanted both. I've met some people I really enjoyed at work. Um, I was really starting to enjoy my career, too. But I was starting to really feel a tension between the two. And the tension really came when, um, in community group, we were challenged to kind of reach out to friends and family that we knew who weren't connected to a church body and to try and invite them to come to church. Um, and for me, that would mean that I'd be asking colleagues, because those were the only people outside of church that I was connecting with because of all that time driving, um, hey, would you mind driving an hour and a half to go to go to church with me? And that's a really big commitment for people. I almost got one guy one time to come, but then something came up and he wasn't able to make it. Um, 
So it was around this time when I was really starting to feel this, this tension pull. And um, what I believe is going on now is God was beginning to really get a hold of, of me. And I began to pray. I had a lot of time to pray on that drive. Um, and I was really starting to feel this tension. It's either I was starting to feel like either I quit my job and invest in what God's doing at CAV, or I quit church in the valley to invest in work. I was really starting to feel that tension. Um, so I began to pray, and I wouldn't recommend what my route. What I did was I just really kept it to myself, even though I was plugging in and investing. Um, I wish I would have asked others to join me in prayer, but I kept it to myself for a while. But it was like as I drove to work and thought about it and prayed about it, God just kept turning up the volume on that, just a little bit louder, a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And at that time, he was bringing up a verse to me, too. It's from Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And the, the things in that verse is a roof over your head, food, uh, clothing. Um, and if you're like me, as you're, if you're dealing with a scripture that God's bringing to mind, um, you really wish he'd be a little bit more specific in the Bible. So it says, I'll take care of you. But what I really wanted was like the end of that verse to say, you know, and all these things will be given to you as well, like a cozy job and a comfortable situation. Um, and so I was really starting to feel that I needed to choose church. I was really starting to pr- prefer that, actually, um, even though things were going well in both places. Um, so then I thought I got a little clever. I said, you know what? I'll test this out, God. And I was talking to him about it. I'll tell my wife. We'll see what she thinks. All right. And we'd been married for a couple years. Uh, actually, this was no, it was the first year of our marriage. So everything was new, new career, new marriage. Uh, Church in the Valley was relatively new, too. And so I just thought, you know, what? here, I'll, I'll I'll dump this on her and see what she thinks. Well, uh, and I told her the whole truth. I was very honest. And wouldn't you know it? She sided with God. OK, um, I married very well. I married very well. So she sided with God and said, hey, you know what? And she really didn't like my commute either. So that was a thing that I just didn't like. Um, and in teaching, it's not like you get, well, I guess you could put in your two weeks notice, but really they want to know every year around April or so if you intend to return the next year. So that meant that I would, I would the decision was coming up as April was getting closer, and I'd have to say whether I intended to or not. And that was kind of my deadline. And I kept praying for God to bring up anything because um, at that point, I would be looking at unemployment. I, I was applying to other jobs, but nothing was really panning out. But I'd be looking to, for unemployment and being like a stay-at-home husband with no kids. And that's kind of hard to explain <laughs> to family and friends when you just got married. <clears throat> so um, the date kept coming. I kept praying. And then I, just, I had a sense of peace that day. And I went in and I said, I intend not to return. And... And really, it was just a sense of peace at that point. I kept applying. I had some job interviews. Nothing was really panning out. Um, and it got closer and closer to summer. And, you know, the people at work were, were upset. Um, you know, understandably, they, they, under, they didn't really understand. They're like, well, do you have a job? And I was like, no, I don't. Um, so summer came. I walked into unemployment. No benefits. Lindsay was also between jobs. It was kind of a scary time. Um, and, but I was investing in here at Church in the Valley um, and in my walk with God, and I really felt a sense of growth. There was peace this whole time, too. Um, about July, I got a, a call from another school district I had applied at, 
um, Alvord Unified School District. That's where I currently work. Um, and they said, hey, we got this interview. We got a position over at Lossier High School. We would want you to interview for it. Here's the time. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. But then I was looking at my calendar, and I went, oh, I've already committed to something at church, actually, during that time slot. I'm not available. And then, I, then the game started, and I had to choose again to put God's kingdom first or decide if I was going to do that. So I called them back and said, I have a prior commitment. I really want to interview. Can we reschedule? And the secretary said, well, I'll have to call you back. So I had to wait. Um, about a day later, they called me back and said, yeah, we really want you for this interview. So and they, they worked with me. They found a time. I showed up. Long story short, I got the job. There was about eight or ten people lined up in front of me, too, and they chose me. Um, and I really got to experience putting God first um, and then how he comes through. Um, and since then, I've been able to invest in both my career and here in my walk with God at Church in the Valley. And I've really seen an explosion of blessing over those eight years. Um, also... When I think about it, too, nothing really miraculous happened. Like, you know, the skies didn't open up and God showed me on golden tablets or anything like that. Nothing really special happened. But as I chose to orient my life around his, he lined up the circumstances. And again and again, he's come through. I've, in my current job, I've been laid off and rehired three times. And, and each time, I've, I've just rested back on this scripture. I'm putting you first, God. Take care of me. And he has. And so I know that even though things are going well now, next year it could be different, but I know he'll take care of me. I know he's in control. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah. Really appreciate that, your willingness to share that with us. <clears throat> Lindsay Rosman is going to come share with us as well. <clears throat> she leads the elementary kids zone and is a stay-at-home mom, works in the home. Stay-at-home moms, they work a lot. 24-7. So she's going to share with us now. Um, I'd like to share about how God is training me and changing me. And this truth has been real in my life for over 10 years now. And I knew that um, when I submitted my life to Christ that he would be doing a work in me for the rest of my life. Um, at first, when I was thinking about what to share today, I really wanted to share about those like really big faith days, those days when God really has shown me that he is in control, not me, or when he's come through and shown his faithfulness in really difficult life situations. And God has really done that for me time and time again. Um, but this one thing kept coming to mind on what to share, and I kept thinking, well, I don't really want to share that. <laughs> but it kept coming to mind, and so uh, here I am. And it's um, about a recent lesson on forgiveness that's happened in the last Last couple weeks. Um, over the past few weeks, I've been reading the books of Matthew and Mark in the Bible, and it has become so clear as I listen to Jesus's words that what really matters to God is my heart, um, true faith in my heart, true obedience in my heart, true compassion in my heart, true love for God in my heart. And Jesus's words have just been really powerful and have really impacted my heart. And one incredibly important conviction to Jesus uh, was on forgiveness, and he spoke about it a lot. And I was reading in Matthew, and in chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? So that's pretty straightforward. And then I kept reading. And later in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22, it says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how many times, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And um, Jesus was very clear. And it sounds really hard, but I know um, that Jesus is the one who gives me the help to do this also. And um, I knew that Jesus had made it clear to me that every act of forgiveness in my heart was serious. And um, the truth was that there was something in my heart that happened recently with my husband that I wasn't being forgiving on. And I wasn't forgiving him. And um, God always sees what's in my heart. And he had asked me very, uh, my husband had asked me very sincerely to forgive him, like he has graciously done for me so many times in our marriage. And um, he had made it right. But in my heart, I wasn't giving this to God. And I was becoming hard-hearted on it. And um, my native response is to think something like, well, I have a right to just hold a grudge and hold on to this for as long as I want to. Um, But then that will stay there, and that will grow. And um, that is not biblical thinking and that is not what jesus says and jesus actually says that that is the measure that will be used for me and well that certainly not would not be good and that's not what i want and um so my thinking needs to constantly be changing and adapting to what jesus um, said and i knew my relationship i know when my relationship with my husband has a kink in it that it affects other areas of our lives and ministry that are really important to us And so that that would keep happening if I didn't make this right in my heart. And so God decided to get my attention because he wants to change me and train me. And this time he decided to use my three-year-old son to do it. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom with our two kids, and we've been having a really difficult time with our three-year-old. And then he started refusing to forgive when we would ask him to. He would just say no. And uh, in our family, when we mess up in our relationships, we clean it up by asking and giving forgiveness. And he um, was just being really stubborn about it. So me and all my wisdom, I decided I need to take this really seriously and do a lesson on this. And we learned a Bible story about Joseph and a Bible verse, and we talked about how important forgiveness is to God. And then we made this chain. I asked friends for advice, and we made this uh, chain. And we talked about how when the relationship is messed up, the chain is broken. But when we ask and give forgiveness, then the chain is mended and uh, with God's help. And to be honest, I'm doing all this, and I was pretty appalled that my son was choosing to not forgive. (laughs) So you can probably see where this is going. (laughs) Uh, And then it happened, that moment when the Holy Spirit had complete clarity (laughs) that this lesson was actually for me. Um, and that the Holy Spirit convicted me, and um, that I was the one who needed to do this. And like Jesus said, I was choosing to look at the speck in my son's eye instead of the giant log sticking out of my own. Um, and so that really hurt, and it actually like made my stomach turn. <laughs> and I am quite certain that God was using my son to train me. How could I ask him to do something so freely when I was choosing not to do it? 
And I thought, well, at least my son's being honest about his lack of forgiveness when he's telling us no (laughs) repeatedly. (laughs) Um, And so we're still working on that, but... (laughs) Uh, we had a little talk, and I reread those verses from Matthew, and then I always have a choice to make of what to do next. When God gets a hold of my heart, and when he changes me and trains me, then I have to choose to obey um, and to make that choice. And I have seen the power of forgiveness in others, and our family has made that a conviction. And there is, like Randy spoke about last week, there is a freedom of conscience when I do suffer through the humbling task of asking forgiveness. Um, But I did, with God's help, um, chose to ask for my husband's forgiveness, for my lack of forgiveness, and um, a weight was lifted. It it literally happens like that for me over and over and over again. I feel a weight lifted. And my husband graciously forgave me because he is kind and very good to me. And... um, And this frees up our relationship to work on other things that are really important to us. And it helps us to move in the direction that God is um, guiding us in right now and where he's leading us. And so now that's not between us. And that's really important to me. And also that's not between me and God. Um, And so I think that's part of the reason why Jesus took this so seriously and why he was so clear in his words. Um, And Jesus is also the one who set the ultimate example for me on this. In the midst of dying an unjust and horrible death on the cross, he chose to ask forgiveness for all of us. And so who am I to not forgive something so small? Um, And this is really an everyday type of example of how God continues to train me. But it's been these small things that I've experienced through the years that have really shaped my perspective on who God is. And then it sets me up to have a track record with him and really be able to trust him to train me and help me when those really big or really hard things in life will continue to come up. So I'm really grateful that God convicted my heart and changed it on this um, because it's a lesson I hope to remember. And I have become even more convinced on the importance of every act of forgiveness. Thank you. Thanks. Told you this would be good. Very helpful. <clears throat> I'm going to ask Nathan Lewis to come share with us. And then uh, after he shares, Nathan's a member of the advisory team. And they, they give me advice about church life stuff that's going on. And uh, he's also associate dean of psychology. Is that right? Is that your title? Uh, behavioral sciences. Behavioral science. So More than I, psych. More than psych, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, anyway, he's associate dean, so I'm going to actually use him after he shares to dialogue a little bit about how God works in this and how in his role of counseling for over 30 years, he's, he's learned to work best uh, with people as God's working in their life. So, Several years ago, uh, when I was in um, college, connected with a professor of mine, who became a mentor and a very dear friend. And we began to share our hearts with each other and decided that um, we really wanted to work together in ministry for pretty much the rest of our lives. And we talked about this for a very long time. And when I graduated and went to grad school in Fort Worth, uh, which was going to be several years, we, we corresponded frequently. Our families would get together and we talked about how much we dreamed about working together. And I uh, often said to people throughout my graduate school, I know where I'm headed as soon as I'm done. 
And that felt really good to say that. Just really confident about that. A um, few years later, uh, this gentleman started a church in Valencia, California, and I was getting toward the end of my graduate work. And we were talking about that. And he said, you know, I really want you to come on staff at that church. And we want you to come out for a week with your family and meet with everybody and talk about uh, what that means for you. And I was reading a passage of scripture at that time. I actually, before we came out there, I was drawn to this scripture uh, in my daily devotions, which we refer to as quiet times. And uh, I, I focused on this scripture and actually prayed this scripture before we went there. It's in James, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 17. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So what? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Just to give you an idea of where I was at at the time in my thinking. When I looked at this passage of scripture, which spoke directly to what I was doing, I was saying, I'm we're going to go to Valencia and we're going to work in that church. And I was boasting to people about how confident I was about that. When I read this passage, I looked at it and what I focused on is um, the Lord's will. Well, it's the Lord's will for us to go there. This doesn't speak to my arrogance or my boasting. So because of that, though, I prayed, my wife and I prayed that God would give us. We're only going to be there a week. And what we wanted to know, we really wanted to know the people's hearts so that we could know how to minister to them when we came there. That's what we prayed. And I asked God for a a supernatural discernment. So we went there and we were there for a week. We met with a lot of people. But during that week, this is what happened. If you ever saw the movie with Jim Carrey, Liar, Liar, where he can't, he cannot not tell the truth. It was the exact opposite. All of the leaders that we met with in that church immediately began to confess things to us that was in their heart. My wife had the same experience when she was with the women as I had with the men and together. They would tell us it was like, hi, my name is Mike and I cheat on my taxes. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating that. That kind of thing went on all week long. And we have no intention, by the way, of following the pastor. Welcome to our church. The the entire week was like that, where God just exposed that. And by the end of the week, we knew we were not going there. And it, this this thing that we had talked about for years, this dream was not going to happen. And I went back to this passage and realized that I had spent years boasting about a future I knew absolutely nothing about because God was in control. It's interesting, about that same year that this happened in Valencia, this church was being planted. 
Now, we knew Randy and Cindy from college and from from Texas. And a, a few months after that experience, California Baptist University contacted me about a teaching position. And uh, through all kinds of, of prayer and consideration and counsel, we accepted that and decided to move uh, and live close to this church to plug in here. And the rest is history. Uh, that was 24 years ago. So uh, God taught me a very important lesson then that uh, I cannot move into the future uh, knowing uh, even tomorrow uh, that, that tomorrow is guaranteed. I know absolutely nothing about the future. So everything I do, even the littlest thing, you know, I'm going to go to work tomorrow. I follow up now, even if it's just in my head. Sometimes it's out loud. Lord willing. Lord willing. Just approaching everything in life with that, from that perspective. But that experience really drove that uh, deep into my heart. Exposing my arrogance and then uh, approaching the future. Trusting him and and. I'm really glad for his direction in my life. Actually, written next to this passage of Scripture is Valencia 1987. Just as a reminder to me whenever I read that of how faithful God was. Thank you, sir. Um, There's three different examples of how God, as we dig into Scripture, speaks to us. We step out and follow it, and then you find out he, he really is in control, and, and he is faithful. But I wanted to ask Nathan just to help us with something, because he has years and years of counseling experience, including giving me advice and helping me work through my, my trouble and things. But uh, one of the things that I wanted him to share with us is just how, how have you seen, we all have people... It, it, God tends to build convictions through pressure as, as trouble erupts in life, as we have choices to go one way or the other way, go God's way or the other way. And, um, you know, we have kids we're raising who are, God's trying to build convictions in them, helping them get convinced of the right things. Uh, we have friends that are going through things that we're trying to encourage to, to build those convictions and uh, others uh, at large that we're relating to. How have you learned, or how, what kind of advice would you give us to help us stay out of the way of what God's doing in the lives of people as we relate and they're going through and he's developing convictions? What, what are some things we can do to allow his work to be accomplished? Well, I can tell you some things that I have learned, some, some the hard way. Um, one is to, is to a, a perspective. There's a certain perspective that is needed. And that perspective, in a word, is uh, I am not God. And I can't play God in a person's life. Uh, actually, I can't make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. Uh, people do what makes sense to them. And they do what they really want to do. And that ultimately is about their relationship to God. And God is at work in people's lives. So that perspective, just realizing that, that that's not really my job to uh, 
to play God or play the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And, and it really means that I have to trust God and depend on God to, um, uh, to be at work and then to, to pay attention to what God is doing in people's lives. Pray for them and be available to them uh, as they are um, seeking help and advice and um, so one of the things that I have learned, uh, people don't care about answers to questions they aren't asking. <laughs> and I'm more than willing to give people answers uh, because I, I can see things and I think, you know, it would probably be better if you did this or thought this way. But they're not asking. And there are reasons why they're not asking. They're, they're not ready uh, necessarily for whatever reasons. But uh, when they do ask, I want to be ready to really help them. So it requires my being ready to do that. I, am I answering your question? Yeah, okay. yeah, you are. Is So the perspective is key in just having the perspective. God's working in their life. And it, it's for me, it's painful to watch people I love go through trouble and actually get to the point where God's working in their life to develop their convictions are there ways that we short circuit what God's doing as as they're, you know, going through God's working in their life to develop? Are there there's some specific ways that we can step in and short circuit his work? Uh, yeah, there's lots of ways. One that comes to mind is um, uh, putting pressure on people to conform putting pressure on people to act a certain way, creating an environment in the relationship or whatever it is where they have to perform in order to be okay, and so they learn to fake it. But then when that pressure is taken off, it's not they haven't really developed the conviction um, to, to keep doing that because it, they, it, they don't really own it. They're they're doing it to please to please me or somebody else. So uh, to be careful not to actually to let people fail, really to allow them to do things that 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 I don't like, and and then ask the question why does that make sense to them and help them to be honest as they are as they are. So just having a real a real and honest relationship. Mm-hmm. And then um, giving unsolicited advice, that's another one that comes to mind, hmm. which is similar to the uh, answering questions that they aren't asking. Yeah, yeah. All right, bro. That's thank- I appreciate that. That's very, very helpful. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for going through the angst of sharing on preparing and getting ready for that. I really appreciate it. Um, Very encouraging to hear uh, how God works in us. As we get into Scripture, let Him speak to us, step out to do it. He comes through. He's faithful. You have to experience that for it to become real for you. Um, what, What really strikes me is how walking with God and becoming convinced is is not something you ever graduate from. It's just not. From the day you decide to follow Christ 
to the day you go into eternity, He's going to be working these things in you, growing your conviction, deepening the root system that He's put there. We all need to be convinced. We all need to stay in Scripture to get to know Him more and more, uh, to continue to apply what we're learning and step out in faith and do the scary things and trust Him to come through. As I wrap up today's message, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pull out the connection card that's in your uh, program. <clears throat> and if you take this time as the band comes up to lead us, if you take this time to finish completing any information or next steps that you find in there, and then when the offering ushers come around, you could drop that in the offering. Also, if you are going to renew your membership, you could drop your membership renewal in the offering as well. That'd be great. But here are a couple next steps uh, that are practical ways you can apply what you've learned this morning. There may be something else that God said through one of the folks who've shared, but first step, keep drawing from God's resources to develop the right convictions. Stay connected to Christ, stay in the words, keep praying, asking God for wisdom. And then another step <clears throat> that relates is sign up for a group. Uh, Brad and Lindsay Rosman uh, Brad is leading a community group, a, a brand new one uh, in the Dime Bar area, and then there are several topic groups that are coming up. Well, it's it's kind of like coming soon. The topic is coming soon to a church near you. Next week we'll know the topics, uh, but we're working on that. See, it makes it a little more exciting, a little mystery added to it. But let us know if you'd like to sign up for a group. Convictions are contagious, so you get around people who who are living the Scripture, getting in it, living it. And, and seeing what God's doing in their life, it really develops convictions in you as well. Uh, getting around others really helps with this. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the truth that we find in your word. And that you speak clearly to us through it and guide our lives to help us become people who are convinced of the right things. That allow us to build our lives on the things that help us flourish and um, really bring honor and glory to your holy name father we ask for your help in following you and stepping out to obey you this morning in the name of jesus christ amen